Welcome to the Live Your Heart Out podcast, a show for wild hearts, changemakers, and soulpreneurs. Together, we dive deep into the exploration of what it means to live a meaningful life. I'm your host, Connie Bozowski, and I hope you're ready to live your magic. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to have Angela Morris on the line. She is the wonderful woman behind The Feminine Shift, a website and amazing Instagram account. And she's a massage therapist and a beautiful writer who shares a lot of awesome uh, wisdom (laughs) on her Instagram channel. And yeah, we kind of connected, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago now on Instagram and kind of been following each other's journey for a bit. But before I uh, share too much about you, Angela, I'd like you to, well, for one, welcome. Thank you for taking the Thank time. you. <laughs> and also, yeah, how about you just kind of share with us a little bit about, you know, your story, like what's been your journey like to what you do today, to what made you want to start the feminine shift and kind of put your soul into words mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, you're very yeah. also very make yourself very vulnerable, I guess. Also. So <laughs> I tell the about? truth. I tell the truth. Yeah, the feminine shift started because I was very disconnected from my feminine. I grew up a tomboy. Mm. I wanted to be a boy, which is really funny to admit because, like, when I got breasts, I was super pissed. Because I wanted to keep up with the boys. Me too. Right? I was really annoyed with that back then. Yeah. yeah. Like I was just like a super devastating time because it, I think I knew at a young age that being a boy comparatively to being a girl was different. Mm-hmm. And I had a brother, an older brother. So everything he did, I wanted to do. I wanted to keep up. He played sports. I played sports. We fought all the time, like on my mom's and dad's bed. Like it was like, I had a very masculine type vibe. So yeah, I grew up playing sports, like three sports at a time, playing on boys teams. Like I played baseball with the boys. I played hockey against the boys. Yeah. So I think I grew up feeling pretty disappointed that I got my period that like, I was just a very disempowered version of female. I had a lot of guy friends. You know, I played sports with girls, obviously, but I always wanted to be a part of the boys club. I was like, whatever that is, like, why can't women? I was so rebellious at a young age because it was just like, I don't get this. I don't get this gender shit. I didn't subscribe to any of that. It didn't make sense. So anyway, so that created an interesting time in my life where like, I just didn't accept that. And then I had a lot of hormone issues, probably in my mid twenties, where I was on birth control for years, picking all the wrong guys. I dated shit men. It was bad. (laughs) So yeah, I, I'd actually get in like physical fights with my boyfriends because it was like, I just really didn't subscribe to the patriarch type stuff, but I found myself in relationships like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe because I needed to learn my lessons like hard and fast so that I could actually like do my work as a woman in this world. Yeah. So eventually I got off birth control and like shit hit the fan in my life. Like I broke up with my boyfriend of seven years. I had like the worst period cramps in the world. My life basically fell apart at, like, in my mid twenties. Like I was like living with my parents and was like, fuck, <laughs> like, is, what just happened? Oh, no. So, and then I started reading. I started reading books about like moon cycles. And I was like, what is happening to me? 
weird. I've always had girlfriends. So like that was nothing new. I always had like solid girlfriends, but yeah, the whole like learning about your hormones and embracing your femininity. And I was like, why? Like, this is weird because birth control really leveled that out for me. It wasn't, I was basically disconnected from my feminine, like my yin side. I don't know, like if that's an actual thing, but that was my experience. And yeah, by mid twenties, it was like, I was like eating up anything that was showing me how to learn about my hormones to dancing and reviving your feminine. Like, I was just like, I don't know, this is weird, but it was just like, I came home to myself and that's what the feminine shift is, is that it's like a homecoming for all of us. And it's not just women that have like parts. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just like, if you vibe with that feminine teaching, it's, that's what it is. It's, it's ours to hold. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. I think we're very similar in that way with having a very kind of, uh, more connected to our masculine energies and the masculine way of being. And then, eventually realizing whoa so there's this feminine part to me holy shit what's that (laughs) and I rejected it really hard my mom always said to me Connie you need to embrace your feminine side I was like just leave me the fuck alone yeah (laughs) what no I'm a doer I'm like yeah Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that (laughs) I only had like I was only hanging out with boys like even when I was still straight because I had a late coming out in my when I was 26 27 and so yeah but I always had like had had boys as friends but and now that totally shifted through having done my work in terms of connecting to my feminine energies I now mostly have women actually as friends me too I I don't think I barely have any guy friends which is hilarious it is kind of interesting isn't it yeah it did shift completely like wow yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> so I saw somewhere on your website that you said something along the lines of you're, you write as you heal. So with your writing, how does that help you heal? And what exactly are you healing from, maybe? What are these wounds that you, you're trying to... Yeah, so the first question, I guess, to touch on is writing as I heal. And that's like the most true thing is that for some reason, like when I was even a little girl, like I had deep freaking thoughts, man. Like, it was just like, why are we here? And I had like this tape recorder and I'd be like, the cosmos, but like, who's God? And like, you know, like it got deep, like my teddy bears, like they were like, what? <laughs> girl is aggressive. And I found that, you know, when I would write, like I, even as a little girl, it was just something about the, it was like a meditation. It was something that just came supernatural to the point where I read my report cards. My mom still had them. And I was like, the teacher was just like, Angela is really great. And she creative writes in the corner, but like really bad at math, you know, or just like, you know, but I just, I had that sort of like inner world that I had deep, deep thoughts coming at a very young age. And then I got out of it because, you know, like basically school makes you feel like you're an idiot for having, you know, like get, do your math and do your science. And it was like, why would you creative write? So for a long time, I didn't write anything. I think I only started picking up a pen maybe in, I don't even know when I started, maybe like 28 or something. I can't remember when I actually started writing again, but, and then it was daily after that. It's like I, another homecoming of just like, oh my God, writing. Like I need it. I need it. Like I need water. I think in quotes, which is hilarious. I think I've trained myself. Like I'm in the shower and I'm like, holy shit. I got it. Well, the quotes that you share on Instagram are pretty awesome. And but it, like they just like that's how my brain is always 
working and it's funny, but yeah. So writing as I heal, I had, like I said, a little bit before when the feminine shift was created, I had a boyfriend who was extremely abusive. So coming from a really disempowered part of my life, very naive to think that all people are good and I wanted to help people. It just, you know, I think sometimes that can get pretty dark before it can shift into the light. And I, in my early twenties, things got really dark and, you know, like abusing alcohol and whatever I could to numb myself. Cause I was just so devastated that a man could treat me that way. And I went back a couple times. It's one of those like classic abuse type scenarios. All my friends were still friends with him. It was a very confusing time as a woman. Would you describe it as a codependent relationship? Yeah, I think I really did suffer with codependency type stuff because I just couldn't grasp what was going on and that people wanted to abuse other people or, you know, like my relationships obviously sexually have only been with men. And so I guess right as I heal is just I had to heal coming from, you know, I did have PTSD fairly severely when some of the abuse took place not really cluing in that that's what it actually was. Like, I thought I was just like super street smart, <laughs> you know? Like, oh yeah, like everyone scans a room to make sure there's no total creepers. Like, so I guess I started writing this stuff. Like I started writing the experience of a woman that I didn't really realize that it wasn't just me. And when I started writing about it more, it was just like, oh, this is like a lot of people's women's stories and men. So it, it helps me heal that stuff or if I can sort of like channel it in a way that it can help another woman that's maybe in that scenario or has been there or, you know, it just makes us feel less alone. Just and, getting it out of our system, no? Getting it yeah. out of our heads. I mean, I sometimes drive myself crazy with some of the thoughts and ideas and, and memories that I have and just getting it out. No one else needs to read it. I don't even have to share it, but just getting it out of my brain in itself is just really healing. Do you have a sort of like a daily writing routine? That's Yeah, I do. Usually every morning I wake up, I write. It's a rarity that I don't. <laughs> it's kind of, that's my my morning routine. I'll either do it in bed, like I'll grab my uh, tablet or phone or whatever. And just, I use my notes a ton. I also have like my book and stuff and I write in there as well. And so you do both, like you type digitally, but you also handwrite. Yeah. I, ha I like to handwrite sometimes, but yeah, digitally, it doesn't matter if it's down. Like I sometimes don't have something on me and I get a sort of, download. Like, and I, I think in quotes and I think in, in my brain is constantly writing it in yeah. its head so it's like oh shit like i'm at a restaurant and i need yeah. to have a thought down i'll be like can i have a pen and a piece yeah. of paper i don't care how, where how do you, <laughs> yeah how do you organize all of these these thoughts and ideas because i struggle with that i mean i have sort of a system by now but it's still frustrating because a lot of the ideas sometimes i have days where it just keeps flooding out right it's like literally downloading yeah. <laughs> boom yeah. And I can't keep up. And then I have all this stuff. But then I'm like, oh, like, how, do you revise the things that you write weekly? And do you have certain, like, do you know where you put what or where you write what? Like, I don't know, man. I'm still trying to come up with like the perfect yeah. system. Yeah, I don't think I, I think the system is that there is no system for me. <laughs> like, it's also the feminine approach to it, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah. And I'm very not organized. So it's like, if I even tried that, I couldn't do it anyway. So like, right. I need someone to like come in and sort that out. But a lot of my bigger, if I'm doing a series or something like that, I use Google Docs because that's where my editor sees my stuff too. 
Mm. So if they're bigger series and that's everything goes in there. And if it's like the dark side of sisterhood was a series that what it, it actually turned into a series because I thought I was just writing a freaking blog post, but I was like, okay, well done. And then the shorter stuff, you know, it can be like a little blurb. It can be a quote, a quote with like something that I have more to say about or elaborate on. And that's sort of the system that I have is like a smaller quote slash or a poem. And then I write on that topic. So that seems to keep my thoughts mm-hmm. organized in that regard. And then the bigger stuff, like I said, is like Google Docs. Then the editor can be like, no, that's shit. You actually need an outline. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> What's your editor for? Is that for, are you also working on a book? Is this for your website or? My editor just sort of keeps me, my grammar in check. Cause I get like, I'm a freestyler in all life corners so she's there if I get get off the rails a bit and yes so I am I am getting together a book I actually have a few things on the go but yes I'm working on a few things at the moment so sounds do you want to share more or is it not you're not quite yet okay all right no (laughs) which then brings me back to the healing process and your journey to coming home to yourself and to, I guess, embracing the wounds. And I'm always interested in what people have tried out on their journey and what they've experimented with and what has helped them the most. And so what has been, yeah, what's been your path like with like the different healing modalities or things that have helped you heal, obviously besides writing? Yeah, I'm just trying to think back to when this all started. It's probably you know, in my abusive relationship. But at the very beginning, it was obviously just like, you know, like a psychotherapist, my mom and dad, just showing love and support, you know, like when I had to go home, like from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yeah, just having those people in your life where you're just like, those are your safe zones. You need that when you're coming out of something like a trauma or you're trying to understand a wound. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has a family. I think it's really important to find your people. And be it if you have to pay someone, that's fine too. Yeah, so that was good. And I devour books like crazy. When I know that like I've hit a rock bottom or something like that, it's like books are everything to me. I mm-hmm. That's how I gained the knowledge. And I when I felt the most disempowered, it was like, oh, I'm like, I'm reading this and this is me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the verbally abusive relationship or like all these books that it's just like, you're so embarrassed that they're like on your shelf, but they saved me you know, the emotionally, I can't remember all of them right now, but yeah, like that really helped me codependent no more like that, those yeah. type of books, right? Like, I read that one. <clears throat> so that was really good. And then I met a healer who really just sort of helped me. I couldn't really quite, I couldn't understand my own instincts yet. And so, because when someone sort of takes your dignity away, you don't really trust yourself anymore and you don't really trust the world. So I found a really nice healer. She's a medium as well. And she just really helped me gather my thoughts and make me feel that I was okay. And that I made the right choices because I couldn't trust myself. And I find a lot of women that I meet along our journeys really, really have trauma and don't trust themselves and don't know how to trust other people. So So you don't know anymore, like what you're feeling, is this right or wrong? Is it? um, Yeah, it's huge. It's huge because when you have that distrust going on and you can't read the signs in your body, you know, that's really tough. So I had to go through that little dark phase and then meditation. I, this church, this Catholic church, like where the nuns live in like, like this little town that I live and they did like this transcendental meditation. Is that TM? Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. So they just like, I was with a bunch of 60 year olds and I go every Tuesday, you know, and just show up. And like, I was like, this is so embarrassing, but like, <laughs> you know, I pay my five bucks and I would meditate at home. I was just really committed to myself at that point. I wasn't working as much at that point because mm-hmm. I felt really broken, but yeah, the meditation, my healer gal, the books were everything to me. And my sisters, like, obviously, they were really, really helpful in that time. And still, like, you know, I'm still going through shit. So I'm not going to give people the illusion that I have, like, reached the other side. I mean, this is how this works. Not for me. Yeah, it's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah, it comes and goes in waves, I feel like, you know. And and as much as our system can take or as much as our system can deal with at one point in time, and then eventually, you know, we'll uh, kind of... we're I don't know how to say it. Like, for example, last year in like September, October, I was just like, well, fuck all this inner work. I'm kind of done right. I need a fucking break. I'm, I, so I was all about play and just going out and dating and going out and dancing and just, yeah, just doing that kind of stuff, which I hadn't done in like forever. And it's not even me really, but I just needed to just kind of rebel a little bit because yeah. I had so much inner work. And then I did a lot of inner work, like January and February with Ecuador and the shaman and, and whatnot after having another like breakdown in, in December. And so it's up and down, up and down. Yeah, and also got to respect it. it, it yeah, you know, yeah. It's a humble, it's a humble journey because I think sometimes we can, you know, get ahead of ourselves when it's like, yeah, I'm rolling, but like, that's not reality. The human experience is up and down. And then we think we've got that lesson and then it gets hammered in your face again. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That was that was real, but I, you know, you respect the process because I'm not anyone's freaking guru. I'm not. I'm just this, you know, girl from Northern Ontario, like <laughs> hearing my shit out yeah. and writing my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. And also, do you sometimes also feel like with like old wounds and like where you're like, man, I feel like I really healed that, you know? And then like months later, maybe even years later, it comes back. Like I had this yesterday actually in my <laughs> coaching session, you know, or something. And I was like, really? This is still coming up? I'm still yeah. I'm still having a really emotional reaction to this right now. Totally. It was something that had to do with my coming out story. And it's like, man, but then all you can do is just love it and, and yeah. give it more love and yeah. give it more space. But yeah, that can obviously get a bit frustrating in that way. But yeah. I, has that also been the case for you? Do you sometimes still have to go back to like childhood stuff or where you feel like, oh man? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I've realized is that like a trigger is a trigger. And I mean, I guess that word gets overused mm. quite a bit, but like an emotional response is an emotional response. Let's yeah. that again. But some more heightened than others, but I think it's all about knowledge and recognizing for what it is. And then just having the tools to actually get through it. And I think that's the real lack that we have as humans is not connecting the dots of like, here's the trigger. Oh, now I'm shut down. It's like, okay, well, like, let's just take a minute here and like, look at it and not beat ourselves up because we usually go right to shame or Mm -hmm. guilt or whatever. It's like, Oh, but I'm like totally self-discovery girl. And like, what the hell? It's like, well, what's the point of that? Like, it's like, okay, I'm triggered. Yeah. That girl pissed me off. Like she did this. And you know, it's like, I talk about sisterhood all the time, but I'm not going to beat myself up about, you know, having an emotional response to this chick. That's like, you know, Mm -hmm something happened. It's like, okay, but I'm, you know, you just got to go and use your tools. And that's the whole point of the feminine shift as well is to give people tools. I'm not the person that's 
going to help you. You can help yourself if we give people the proper tools. So that's, that's mm. really the premise of what I'm trying to do with the feminine shift eventually is, is yeah, awesome. Yeah. And also, which kind of relates to a question I've been also meaning to ask is like, so you talk about tools and so, you know, when we are faced with an emotional response or emotional pain, <laughs> sadness, anger, whatever, loneliness, whatever is coming up for us, right? What are the kind of tools that help you? How do you deal with the pain? I think just today, yesterday, I saw a post of you about sitting with the pain. Like, what does that mean to you? And, and how do you do it? Well, I'm going to be honest. First of all, I'm really fucking shitty at it. So <laughs> I write about it a lot because yeah. I come from a pretty addictive background of like booze and boys and shopping. And, you know, I can numb like the best of like with the best of them. But the reason I talk about it so much is because I know how much it does if you can just sit with it. But I also understand avoidance because sometimes that used to be how we survived, right? So if we have like a really big trauma, you know, those avoidance tactics and those things worked for people. And it's knowing the difference of what we're, where we're at and what we're doing. But for me, the tools that I use is to sit down, like actually like lay on the floor so that I can't move or touch anything or touch my phone or, you know, when I'm in it, it's helpful. Another really good, helpful trick is if you're in a trigger. Well, most people sometimes don't know they're in a trigger, but I know like, because my heart, like I feel it in my whole body system. So it's really like, for me, I know when like something's gone awry because things get loopy. So I just pat my body. I learned that from a really awesome therapist is just sort of bring yourself back and like touch your body. I'm going to, my job is massage therapy. So I'm very much into touch and just sort of pounding my chest and, you know, just trying to bring myself back mm -hmm. if I'm going to trigger. But yeah, like the tools, you know, talking to a girlfriend, like that's huge for me, like mm -hmm. the right girlfriend, you know, because sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> depends on the girlfriend. Yeah. There's so many tools that are, you know, available to us if I need to go write. Writing is a huge tool for me, like mm -hmm. to process before I react. I can get it out on paper and if it's anger that I'm feeling or if it's, you know, sadness or whatever, it's like, it comes out on paper for me or, you know, through a conversation, I really connect with other people. Do you I feel like that dealing with emotional responses or any sort of sadness and anger and whatever, I, you know, because I used to be really good at suppressing, shutting it down rejecting. I'm like, uh -uh, I don't want to feel that way. I'm not, <laughs> nope, don't want it. <laughs> really hard. And that caused a lot of physical problems, like, you know, skin issues, stomach issues, all of that. I'm still kind of dealing with that at times, you know, because I'm just conditioned <laughs> in that way. Right. Yeah. And I had to learn, it's obviously still a learning process to actually feel properly, to actually feel emotions and without yeah. judging them, without feeling shame and what it actually means to feel and to how to give space. And that by giving them space, and like you said, you know, it's about lying down and just like connecting to yourself and connecting to that emotion or talking about it or writing about it. And that's giving space to it. And I feel like we're so conditioned to like just push things away that come up. And rather than, you know, without judging it, like sadness is bad. Like who says it's bad? It's just like our human brain is just kind of putting a label on it, right? Like who says happiness is good? It's just like, yeah. you know, it's a spectrum. But it's a, just a spectrum, yeah. But what if we're just completely neutral and it's just an emotion? Like that's it. It's just an emotion. There's nothing to it. We're just feeling something right now. And once I got <laughs> that into my brain, you know, I was like, oh, how? So I can just like feel sad and just like feel that. 
and it's okay. I'm not going to die. It's nothing's going to happen. And it'll actually, by giving it the space, that's how it transforms. And that's how, anyway, I just kind of wanted to share that because it's just such, it. you know, such a yeah, challenge for so many people out there. I mean, yeah. for women, but for men, I mean, holy yeah. shit, men have issues. Yeah, like that. of course. Men get the worst of that about emotions. Like, mm. I constantly check in with my boyfriend being like, if you need me to listen, I will freaking listen. And it's like, men need to hear that. It's just mm. like, you know, and they're scared. They're scared to, to share because it's like, yeah, you say that now and you don't want to know what's in here, right? Like, they're just like, yeah, yeah you're, you're fucking with me. And I'm just like, you have to reiterate it. It's like, I'm your safe person, yeah. you know? And they're just like, what? <laughs> so I get it. It's not just women. It, it's a human experience. Yeah. Me. So it sounds <laughs> like you're, you're in a pretty awesome, healthy relationship now with, with your boyfriend. We talked a little bit about it before the interview. So I'm just kind of wondering what happened like, cause you were sharing how you had some really abusive relationships and, you know, looking at where you are today with your relationship, like what was the shift there? Like, well, I stopped letting men choose me. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. That was helpful. As much as I might sound in, like extroverted right now, I'm pretty introverted and have no game whatsoever with men. Like mm -hmm. I, I had a mullet in like grade seven to like grade eight, no dudes <laughs> like like, it was, like, one of those situations. Like, okay. I had short, short hair. I was, like, way ahead of my time. It's just like, Shorter than me? Shorter than you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try and find a picture for you. And yeah, dudes weren't having it. Yeah, eventually, like, I started, you know, like, I had a high school boyfriend. He was pretty rad. I think the biggest thing that shifted from sort of manipulative, abusive men to a pretty solid partner is that I... I, well, I said never again to myself. And then I started empowering myself. I started, I called it like old fashioned dating coming from a codependent background. I would basically be like all in, in like a second. And it was just like, but you didn't even like go on five dates. Like I'm like, Oh, we're moving in. Right. Like it was just like, I'm a one or a freaking 10. Mm. So I stopped doing that. I mean, my boyfriend and I didn't move in together probably for about a year and a half. Like it was very slow. I was like, really seeing if we could be a match. And one of my therapists always said to me like, and you got to take it day by day. And so I, she's like, if it's day by day, it feels healthy and good. Keep going. And it's been five years. So. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. He's a great dude. He gets it. He's like, a, you know, as much as he probably wouldn't say he's a feminist, like he is a freaking feminist. He's, he's, you know, but yeah, there's ups and downs. Like, obviously I've never been in a healthy relationship. So I say to him, like, when I got back from Nicaragua, it was just like, I realized I was just like, Hey, like, I don't know where to go from here. Like it's been five years. How do we keep this flowing and awesome? And I was like, I don't, for the first time in my life, I actually don't have the answer. Like, I don't really know how this works. So it was cool. Cause I was pretty vulnerable in that. And he was like, yeah, we'll figure it out. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Sounds yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. just awesome to hear, you know, for me too. Like, I guess also gives me sort of, I don't know, hope or whatever, but just tr more trust even to also see or hear stories of women who have come out of, you know, a serious or a pattern of unhealthy relationships or abusive relationships yeah. into more stable, healthy relationships. So yeah, wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah.
I kind of want to shift gears now more because a big topic that you talk about a lot on your Instagram and on your website is, you know, feminine power, feminine energies. And you mentioned in the beginning, just how, you know, your journey into reconnecting to that part of yourself. So I guess I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is that feminine energy, that feminine power? What is that to you? Like, what does it feel like today? And how are you like living it more than you used to? Well, for me, it's been using my voice and not people pleasing and telling people that I'm not having kids and no explanation needed. It's, you know, for me, owning the feminine is being exactly who I am and helping women do the exact same thing because we all aren't, you know, what society thinks we should be. I swear a lot. I'm not getting married. I have no interest in marriage, you know, like, so it's just, that's me owning my shit, but also respecting the women that that's what they want too. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just respecting all different scales and different ways of being feminine and also like running my business that way or running my life that way where it's like I work three days a week massaging. I'm not going to push myself. I rest when it's my period. Like every person, like any spin class knows like Ange has her period because I literally announce it to the group. It's like, no, I can't come because I have my period because we should rest, you know? And we should. (laughs) Yeah. So it's me getting vocal about all things feminine, like talking about menopause with women, the fear that we have about aging. It's talking about how we have an epidemic of women on medication because their hormones are out of whack. Like this is all things that are mean so much to me. It's like, I want to see women thrive, not burning themselves out. And this is what's happening in the world today. And there's like a real lack of vitality with what I'm seeing and overweight women and trauma because it's just not being processed. And, you know, that's, to me, feminine is just really holding space for women to actually do the work that they need to do Mm. so that they can feel like they can come home to their bodies and make good choices. And slow down. Slow down, man. Like slow down. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. And not be so hard on ourselves and and judging ourselves. Like, I like how you just mentioned when you have your period, it's just like you announce it to the world and it's like, nope, I'm out for a couple of days or a day or whatever. And like, if that's something, you know, like in Bali, for example, where I spend a lot of time, it's it's like the Balinese women, when they have their period, they just don't go to work. Like, period. Brilliant. (laughs) But, uh, And it's like, well, that should be a thing because, you know, yeah. I mean, and also how many people struggle with their periods, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so happy I don't have a nine to five. I don't have to be anywhere when I'm on my period because I do struggle with pains or I just, you know, it's just something where it's an invitation from our body to take care of ourselves, yeah. right? It's trying to speak to us. Our period is, you know, and this is what feminine is to me is actually using the knowledge of our periods to tune in because our period is like right before your period is the time where you are the most in tune with yourself and women don't know this and I think freaking travesty that women don't actually like they dread it instead of being like oh okay this is the time where you know I'm fighting with my partner well okay obviously there's an issue there Mm. you know and it's like well let oh okay let's not just blame it on your period like there's some real potent information sitting there for you Yes, I love how you mentioned that. Yeah, it's, it's information, really. Yeah. yeah, you're dreaming vividly for a reason because your left and right hemisphere of your brain are like open. Mm. And like that's the power of women, and they don't like women don't know the power of menopause, the power of the period. And it's like I actually want to like take a megaphone and like go to each country and be like, guess what? Like, how do we not know this? <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, I mean, how little does the average woman know about 
periods and bleeding and Nothing. her cycle. I mean, all they know about is as much as how can I prevent myself from getting pregnant? Yeah. And what can I just kind of plug up into my vagina when I'm bleeding? And that's basically exactly. like that. Yeah. There's a whole magic there that we're missing. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Like when I dove into a couple of books around that and, and like, you know, how every week in our cycle is, is different and how we can use yeah. that right? These different yeah. energies to our benefits, actually, you know, it's, oh yeah. man, it's a, that's a whole new world. It's amazing. Yeah, that I could like talk about for hours because it's literally the most feminine thing you can do for yourself is to mm. just learn that because it affects your everyday life mm. all day, every day. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, also, huh, you know, as much as I always or used to be more my male energies, and especially as when it comes to business, right? A lot of very successful women out there, they're not uh, successful in the conventional sense because they're women and they do it in a feminine way. They're successful because they do it in their masculine energy <laughs> or the politicians out there or whatever, you know? And so finding ways as a female entrepreneur as well and to tap into that and to really incorporate that in our everyday life and also like un disconnecting from that pressure of I need to do everything the way guys do it. Guys can go, go, go because I mean, they do have tiny bits of cycles, but not much. But yeah basically pretty consistent but we've got cycles and that's just the way it is yeah, <laughs> and I had to learn. yeah. and I, like I said I at the beginning I really wanted to be a man yeah but I really started to celebrate in my later years the feminine power that we do have and that's what it is is shifting my focus because it wasn't it wasn't like that for me the whole way it was, mm. was disappointment because I had a feeling that there was an equality issue <laughs> and yeah. I was not wrong <laughs> so yeah, you know totally um which also kind of leads me to what I kind of want to dive into a little bit about the topic of cultivating self-love and self-care and which is a very feminine approach to life and everything, right? I mean, just the word self-love and self-care, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or even five years ago, yeah. they gave me shivers, you know? I was like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't want to... Bubble baths and shit. But, you know, also realizing over the years that how disconnected we are from our bodies and you mentioned that earlier too and so I just kind of wanted to hear your experience and brief to share about how we can cultivate that self-care more and how we can connect to our bodies and you are a massage therapist so you are very much in touch with, yeah. with bodies and disconnected bodies and stuff so what are some some practices that that you do every day or when you need them well I definitely like I go for massages, obviously, because I need them. And <laughs> how often yeah, do you go? Probably once every two weeks. I do trades with like yeah. the RMPs in town or like acupuncture. I'm always, I love body work. Mm. Like that for me grounds me. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Mm. But I was also, I wrote about this the other day and it actually really got a lot of traction because like self love and self care, we talk a lot about, you know, like what you're feeding your body. And yes, of course, like feed yourself good food. Hell yeah. Like I'm all for it, but it's also self-care and self-love to me is like telling someone to screw off mm. or to have like a solid boundary around your energy, you know, so like so. saying yeah. no, like that to me is also self-love, self-care is to love yourself enough to not be in that relationship that's draining you anymore. Totally. To speak up for someone that's, you know, being bullied to, those are all things that I find are self-love to me because it's who I am because it's like, 
I need those things because that makes me love myself even more because I've been walked all over. I've been abused, Mm. manipulated and things like that. So all those things are intertwined into my self-love, self-care. And I'm an overgiver. So I have Mm. to really rein that in. So all those things, you know, that are very feminine, we're Mm. natural nurturers. So really just being mindful about that because women, you know, especially mama bears, like they, you know, my best friend has three babies and works and literally I go there and it's chaos, man. And I'm like, Whoa, this is wow. You know? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like we all have different lives, but for me, that's a big one for me is saying what I mean, Mm. you know, and, and really articulating that to the people around me. Like, so body work, standing up for yourself like Mm. everything like that is all about self-love self-care yeah I feel like that also it really depends as you just pointed out a little bit to everybody's circumstance or like for you for example boundaries are like a really big thing and so that's something you need to look out for every day right for someone else it might be you know whatever meditating more because they just need to slow down or that's something too that I needed to learn a lot was slowing down because I always want to do everything really fast and 10 things at the same time and my brain's really fast and and so that has been a challenge but it's been also so many learnings for that and slowing down and practicing patience patience these days when I see it when it's happening, you know, I'm just like, oh, that's a wonderful thing here, universe, for teaching me more practice, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, to- I get you. I get that for sure. I think we're all like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I also know that I think on your website, in your shop, you sell like oil to do breast massage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a few things in the shop, but yeah, so we a girlfriend and I, we made a breast oil together because it's super, super important. That's a definite self-care thing that I do every week or every second day, depending on if I'm around my cycle or whatever. And I do have a, a blog post about why you should massage your, your tatas. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, basically, I think that like self-care too, when it comes to breast massage or just generally touching your body, there's so many women that have body image issues and you know, the only way that they connect with their bodies is by like shaming it and looking in the mirror, stepping on the scale. And I'm not for any of that. And, you know, to really massage your body, massage your limbs, not only good for triggers or like when you're having an emotional response, but it's also just to actually connect with your vessel. Mm. So that's really, really important. Yeah, I started doing breast massage a year ago. So I discovered it through some Instagrammer out there who even had a course on breast massage. Nice, we should find that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it was so beautiful because, you know, like how often do we connect to our breasts, like just me and my breasts. And especially maybe also as a single woman. I mean, yeah, of course I masturbate, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was just really interesting to consciously, mindfully connect to my breasts. And so I do it more often now. And that's just so beautiful. What a beautiful practice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And also, I guess one thing I want to touch on is that yin energy, that feminine energy also helps us to cultivate our intuition, right? Which is something that so many people, I mean, not just women, everybody is kind of so disconnected from. And I see so many people struggling to hear their heart speak or their soul speak and to actually not just, a lot of times they hear it, they just decide to not trust it right? So what's your relationship like with with your intuition? (laughs) Well, my, like basically everything I do, like I'll have a 
basic life correction. Like if I'm not listening to my gut or my intuition, whatever you call it, I'll, I, I'm very symptom based. So, you know, I'll get like a crazy bad period or I will like something weird will happen. It's constantly, I'm always checking in with myself. I just, I don't even know how else to live my life because I'm constantly always like, is that in alignment? I'm always asking myself questions. It's not always like right away, but it is, you always sort of have an idea it's in you. It's in your gut. Like it's there. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's us trusting it. But I think because I take a lot of like external things out of my life, I don't keep myself super, super busy enough to not listen to it. And I think a lot of people where they don't listen to their gut is because they just don't have time to. And that's a big thing for me is that I do carve out space to listen to where I'm at. So that's a big one for me. How do you, I guess, a big question for me is like, how do you actually then cultivate that trust? Let's say when it comes to making decisions and they're like, yes or no. And then how do you trust that that's right? And like for me these days, it's now, how can I not trust? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, this is always sure. right. It's always right. Yeah. Well, I think being more in alignment with your true values is really important. If you don't know your morals, values, desires, how are you going to know if it's in alignment or if you can trust your gut or you're making these decisions just because society told you to? Like I see so many people in this world that are completely asleep and like they're having babies about it. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, did you even think that through? You're literally, you got the house, the car and the kid and like you look so miserable And I'm just wondering if you're even asking yourself questions or tuning in or if you actually are just literally going through the motions. That scares the shit out of me as a person because I never, that's not how I've ever lived my life, but I also, I'm surrounded by it. So that's something to think as a human experience. It's like, well, this is just what everyone does. And that's why I love meeting people that are outside of whatever box that we think we should be in right because that helps me check myself too because you know if you're around people that are all the same like what type of bullshit is that like you're all having kids you're all having babies you're all getting married why would someone like you wouldn't question anything if you did you know you got to be around people doing different stuff so totally and always checking in is this in alignment just because everybody else is doing it does that mean it's in alignment with my soul with how i want to do things and i think what also helps me is to check in you know is let's say there's a decision to be made or whatever it's like okay this feel when i think about it when i feel into it is it expanding or is it contracting and usually we can always tell right oh yeah we know everybody knows yeah you know it's a lot of i think what happens is the fear gets in there, right? And, you know, security and things like that tend to keep people small or trauma or anything like that, right? So then we don't trust our intuition because we're scared, Yes, right? And that's a big thing, I think, that I see people just really not being able to do it because they're literally terrified, so... Terrified of living their truth, yeah, of actually stepping up. And And some people don't know where to begin. I remember dating a guy and he looked at me. I remember driving in the car with him and he was like, Ange, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And that's when I knew like I really had to break up with him because I was like, oh, he's never going to (laughs) start. You know, so he, you know, and now he works for the government. He, He wants to buy a house. He wants to have a family. And it was everything that I didn't really want. Mm. And I didn't think he wanted it either, but he went that route and that's fine. But Mm. I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. But Mm. yeah, it's just a hunch that maybe that wasn't probably the best for him. 
And that's it, like the hunch, you know, when we say that, it's like, that's intuition right there. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not mine. It's his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All this work on mine. Yeah, yeah. And also connecting to the feminine and with the work that you do, it's also all about cultivating sisterhood, right? And bringing more sisters together in a safe space and with your writing and, and all of that. And so why do you think, and because the word sisterhood is also a word that's used quite a lot right now I feel like because yeah trendy <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's trendy or it's just yeah I mean I guess there's a big need for us to have safe spaces and to connect deeply with each other more as women and I feel like the same is actually happening more and more so in the male spheres hmm. in terms of men connecting with each other more and brotherhood you know yeah. and, and so why is sisterhood important to you what does it give you what does it mean to you actually well, sisterhood is so many things to me coming from my background in a sports. Like I never was not around women. I had big groups of girlfriends, but I also saw what sisterhood looks in the dark side of things too. So I think we need each other. I think that, you know, I need to have some girl time. Like that's just something that I need in my life. And I, I've always known that because like I said, like growing up playing sports, you bond so much. You're in hotel rooms, you're snuggling, you're sleeping together. You're like, you're getting up and you're like conquering stuff and like trying to win. And I fucking loved that. Like I loved champion women together on a sports team. And like, we had a common goal, but for me, sisterhood is changed because I don't play sports anymore. But yeah, I think it's just bringing women together with the common goal of like healing and being real. And like that sisterhood to me, Mm -hmm. holding space for women so that can, they can just lay it all out there. That is the shit that I live for. It's like, here it is, let it out. And that's not always safe sometimes because you never know. You got to really earn your way into people's lives and vice versa. Well, I know that you also mentioned something like pseudo sisterhood and, and some of the issues that you had. And you were saying you wrote this blog post series about the dark side of sisterhood. But what was that about? I think we're doing ourselves a disservice to be all raw, raw sisterhood and not talk about the underbelly of what actually happens with women's relationships. I mean, we've been, we went to high school. We see what happens when girls gang up on each other. We see what happens, you know, when you're fighting over a guy. This is something that I'm seeing in spiritual communities right now where the hot yoga guy, you know, that everyone wants to bang, you know, the, the one girl gets him and they all turn away from her. Like, this is real time shit. It's very ingrained stuff that like women, they draw lines, they can get really mean. And, you know, I've been on all sides of it. And that's the thing is that we have to, in order to grow in real authentic sisterhood, we have to admit that we've been a part of the problem. And we also have to admit what we truly want out of this because I've been used, I've been picked on at parties because whatever, or like it goes both ways. But like in the end, when sisterhood's gone, going right, it's the most fucking beautiful thing. You know, you just vibe off of each other's energy, but you're two different, you know, two women, like just like, it's really fucking powerful. But like I said, I've had a lot of experiences with that gone wrong and but I just want to talk about it. I think that it needs to be talked about. And, you know, I've really opened that space for women to tell me their stories of betrayal from other women. And like, it, it's really, I've learned a lot from that by creating that space for myself in my own healing, but also just for other women to get real about it. So, yeah, yeah. I guess it is also an invitation for your own healing now when you have to deal with betrayal or competition in that way. Like, for example, me, I never had issues with other women in that way. Like, not 
as in friendships. Don't get me started on relationships with women, obviously. <laughs> this is a whole other segment. That's a lot of ballpark. Um, but in terms of friendship, I don't know. I feel like it's always been really smooth sailing. It's not an issue I ever had to really deal with. And yet I can see just how much potential for wounding there is right and hurt and, and yeah. pain and, and then also reflecting back on that because i'm always all about taking responsibility like hey okay i've got this issue here i'm there's you know whatever i'm facing whatever competition or betrayal like what part am i playing in in this right what's the pattern maybe that i'm repeating here and tuning into how this is an invitation to heal for myself to do you have, feel like that that was something maybe also come from childhood, maybe with your sisters, that was that's kind of being replayed or something? Well, I think it was more from the experience that I recently had, where I had a, two really good girlfriends of mine sort of just shut down and not want to talk things out and just really, really floored me into a, well, a downward spiral of what I thought sisterhood was because I never had that experience until, you know, like in my late twenties where it was like, why is all these weird, like, why are these girls? I thought we were women and sisterhood and talk shit out. And it, it was really bizarre to me. So I think it was coming up so that I could be more authentic to look at my own blind spots and where I tend to be more of the mama bird with women and get resentful if they didn't take my advice or things like that. Now my relationships in sisterhood are a lot more equal, not as much giving. It's like a really smooth... I think I was just more comfortable in the teaching realm of my friendships, Mm -hmm. some of them. And I think that that's what's really made me realize that I had some blind spots in my own sort of version of sisterhood. So, mm. Did you uh, ever I, get around to like um, reconnecting with them? Or? One of the girls, has, I don't know, she does not want to speak to me at all. And the, one of the other friends I was able to connect and do my amends or do whatever I needed to do from that and move on but yeah some people don't do things the way I do things so yeah everybody's open in that way and sometimes we have to forgive them and us and and that's okay we can still hold them in our hearts and move on with our lives without having to drag that negative energy right yeah and the the illusion with sisterhood is that that everyone has to get along that's not the case that's not reality as a human being I'm not illusion to be like yay sisterhood is you know, like that's bullshit. Like we're not all going to get along. We're not all going to vibe together, but we can just be respectful and try to be kind, you know, it, that's all. And be real. Like I just feel, I sometimes just miss that a lot with, you know, so many women, especially who don't just wear a lot of layers of makeup or like layers of covering themselves up as so as to not actually show who they really are and you can do that through makeup you can do that through clothing you can and then obviously through your personality and I'm just like I just want to see a real you like who are you underneath all of that because I sometimes struggle to connect with women like that not because I'm judging them for wearing a lot of makeup or or wearing really like I don't even have a word for for some of the clothing but and that's no judgment but it's like man I just kind of wish you would just you know like take all of that off all of these masks and all of these layers that are not you well, and it's armor in a way too, because a lot of women have been yes, quite armor, yeah. right? It's you know, and that's the thing is that I never judge that because you just never know what mm. someone's struggling with there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that's why judgment is completely you know, it's the wrong place to use it because who yeah, knows yeah. why they're doing it, right? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Totally. Wow. Yeah, super interesting topic. I guess we could dive into for hours. We might be here all night. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we're slowly wrapping up. I just have a few last quick questions kind of that you can just kind of answer in a couple of sentences if you like. But also actually one, if you have one or two maybe book recommendations, books that you've read recently that really kind of hit home for you or just books that you'd like to pass on to other sisters out there or maybe even brothers. Is there anything? Oh, God, I love books. This is so hard for me. But right now, the book that I've been recommending to everyone is the book is called the wisdom of menopause and i'm 34 and that sounds really weird yeah but i really really think that it's a a disservice that women don't understand the magic that's going to happen in their 40s 50s and perimenopause and menopause because it can actually be quite tumultuous if you're not prepared and i find the book that christiane northrup wrote about menopause really ties in scientifically what's happening to a woman as she comes into her 40s, 50s, because it can, if you have, you know, like swept things under the carpet, or if you haven't done the work, whatever that is to you, it will come to you tenfold. So it's basically, you're already doing the work by familiarizing with like yourself with all of that so that you can do more inner work and so that menopause won't hit you like super hard. Yeah, that's kind of the goal. (laughs) And I really, really think it's such a great book. And Christiane Northrup also wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And I found that that was a really awesome book for me to read in my journey, trying to understand the female body a little bit more, embracing my feminine body for what it was. Those are two really, really awesome books. Cool. Yeah, definitely put all those links in the show notes. And then a couple of questions that I like to ask my interviewees. Uh, Number one, what does it mean to live a meaningful life to you? Well, kind of what we talked about before is knowing your desires, knowing your values, knowing what alignment looks like for you, and actually getting to know yourself enough to know that you're living a meaningful life. I think a lot of people sleepwalk through life and I want to live a life that's full of connection and meeting new people always and trying new things like, and just doing that until my like late eighties where it's just like, holy shit, I have so much more in me. You know, I, that's, I want to live that life and I've been very lucky to travel a lot of different places and that's the stuff that, you know, gets me going. Yeah. That's you know, awesome, which kind of also actually answers the second question, how do you find fulfillment on a daily basis? So you yeah. kind of touched on a few points, but maybe there's a few other things that you do to feel yeah. fulfilled every day well, before travel, you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, travel for sure, but just like planning adventures with girlfriends or Kieran or trying something new, like that stuff is what makes all that meaning make sense to me. You know, and just day-to-day stuff is just like, I have like different playlists on Spotify and it's just like, you know, I like to dance, have my girlfriends over and have like a four-hour chat about like living and like the real shit. Like I love women that just want to sit there for hours and be like, what about this? Like I could... Oh, that lights me up, man. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I love that. Like real human connection, just yeah, on, like, and on and on. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I think it's been a wonderful, awesome conversation with you. How can people reach you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they find out more about you? Yeah. So they can go to most of the stuff I write is on Instagram, which is the feminine shift. And I also have a web page, which is thefeminineshift.ca because I'm Canadiana. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Isn't it great though how Instagram has kind of also turned into, for some people like us, for example, into like a mini blogging platform, you know? Totally. Where we, 
I love, I love that. It. Like it's way more than just the photos. It's really about writing blog posts worth of words. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.